Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. This is the third in a five-part message on the prayer of Jabez, 2016. The reason I say 2016 is because I presented this this, uh, series of messages, or one like it, in 2001. And uh, I, uh, some of you may remember it. Um, the, the reality is that it will be very hard for someone to remember what Pastor Ray preached on last Sunday. Uh, that's just the way that it is. But in 2015, and it's a timely series to bring to you again because we are going through a time of prayer in regard to our church. We'll talk about that as time goes on. Well, it was on December the 30th, 1963, when the game show, Let's Make a Deal, uh, was uh, premiered on television. Uh, the show was famous for a lot of things. Uh, doors number one, two, or three. And Monty Hall was the guy that started this uh, show, and, uh, or at least he was the first host, and he would try to, to entice the person that had something in their hand to trade up. And uh, something better might be behind door number three. Let's see what was behind door number one. And they say what was behind door number one and so on. Well, that show is still going on after all of these years. And now it's on CBS and Wayne Brady. I never watched that show, but I know that it's still on. And uh, it's kind of an interesting concept. I did know a couple one time who were actually on Let's Make a Deal. And I know somebody else that was on Let's Make a Deal, a, a, a gospel quartet guy that I know was on Let's Make a Deal recently. But anyway, uh, I some, the reason I, I use that as an illustration is because I sometimes wonder if there are blessings waiting for us behind unopened doors. If, there, if when we get to heaven, we find doors that we could have chosen that we didn't choose. I, I just wonder if, if we, when we get to heaven, see, we'll see things that could have been ours but did not become ours simply because we never opened the door. We never reached out and took hold of the handle. We never... We never uh, went through a door that God had prepared for us. Now, I'm not suggesting that we negotiate deals with God, but it is not out of the realm of possibility that He has more for us if we will ask for uh, more. There may be some doors that we haven't noticed or some doors that we haven't chosen. Jabez knew that God could enlarge the territory that he had, so he simply asked God to do it. He said, enlarge my borders. Bless me more than I'm being blessed now. First Chronicles 4.10, Jabez called upon God, the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. What did Jabez mean when he asked God to enlarge his border? Well, first of all, as we've illustrated, he is asking God to open more doors. God told the church in Philadelphia in the book of the Revelation, he said that I've set before you an open door that no man can shut. Now that sounds really good, but what if God said to you or to me, I have given you a series of doors to walk through but you must choose the doors and you must walk through them. What would that mean to us? What would life be like if God set before us a series of doors and said, all right, 
here's where your doors are. I want you to start walking through them. How do you get started on a a journey like this? How do you get started opening the doors that God wants you to open? Walking through the doors through which God would have you to walk. Well, the first thing you got to do is know your territory. You got to know who you are and know what you're going for and, and, and know why you're there and, and what you're supposed to, to be trying to do. In the late 1800s, there were very large tracts of land taken from American Indians and quite honestly given to white farmers. Um, there's a political commentary there, but I will not uh, go there. You, you can uh, take care of that. The way the land was distributed was by something called a land run. And the land was segmented into 160-acre spreads and given to those who could get to them and stake a claim on a certain parcel of land, a certain 160-acre spread. They were given, basically, what they could take. That was the land run. Now, this is the way that much of Oklahoma was settled. It was settled by a, a land run. If you ever saw the movie, and that's where that picture's from, if you ever saw the movie Far and Away, it was based on this historical event of the, the land run in the 1800s. Those who were rushing for land knew their territory. They knew what they were going for. If they wanted more, they had to negotiate for more or to uh, purchase it from others who also had claimed land of their own. But in order to have any territory, they had to know their territory. Now, if you want territory from God, more territory, if you want your borders to increase, you have to consider what territories you're requesting. You have to consider what you're asking for. For instance, there's the territory of land. In the time of Jabez, the most recent history of Israel was the acquisition and the division of of the promised land. Each tribe received large parcels of real estate, and it was then apportioned to the people of the tribe. Maybe Jabez was looking at his portion and said, Father, I need more land to hold the increased blessings, and so I'm asking you to give me more land so that I will be able to handle the blessings that I've requested. Land is a territory that sometimes we ask to be enlarged. Your territory might be land. Your territory could be money. That's a territory that people can ask God for and ask for more of. But you have to ask yourself a couple of questions. First of all, are you a faithful steward? God has given to each of us certain financial benefits and abilities. Now, God gave those to us, and we have to ask ourselves, are we faithful stewards to the benefits that God has given uh, to us? Do we manage the funds that God has given well? Do we give to the Lord? Do we tithe back to the Lord? Do we support the Lord's work? Are we faithful in money? Have you made God your partner in your finances? If you're blessed with money and are a a faithful manager of, of what he has already given you, why wouldn't you ask God to expand your financial territory? Why would you not go ahead and, and ask God for, for more? I, uh, we've just come through the, the political uh, uh, conventions, the Republican convention and the Democrat convention. And of all the things that I heard in, in both of the conventions, and I watched one more than the other, 
of all of the things that I heard, uh, there's one thing that stuck with me that I thought was actually was pretty cool. And it was from a, a beautiful young woman named Ivanka Trump. I guess she's got another last name now. I don't know. But Ivanka, the daughter of Donald Trump. And she said that her dad taught her, well, if you're going to be thinking anyway, you might as well think big, which I thought was kind of a cool thing. There's nothing immodest or wrong with thinking bigger, asking God for more. If you are a faithful steward, you can ask God for more finances, for more money. You can ask even if you're not a faithful steward, but that's a little hollow, isn't it? God, I'm not doing what you want me to do with the money that you've already given me, but I want to ask you for more so that I can do even more of not, uh, so I can fail even uh, more to do what you want me to do. Why would God give us more of something that we're already mishandling? If you're a landowner and you want God to enlarge your, your borders, to increase your borders, that's more land. If you're in business or uh, you're increasing your borders would be more business. What about this? What about the territory of family? You have land, you have, and there are a lot more that I'm going to give you today, but you have land, you have money, you have family. How, do, how can God open more doors for your family and, and ex- enlarge the borders for your family? Jan and I, we're at a different time in our family, a much different time in our family. Uh, we've, we've been in the time that we're in for so long now that it's a little hard to think about the way that it was before. We are we are even beyond empty nesters. We just kind of are there. That's the way that it is. Now, this week, uh, we're going to have a lot of people coming into our house, a house that's been empty for a long time. Jan's going to have uh, her two brothers to, to come in, and, and uh, they're going to bring with them. One brother's bringing two of his daughters, and the other's bringing uh, his wife, and, and uh, they're going to spend some time with us. And then Paul and Lindsay and their two girls are going to come over, and I'm sure that, that Nathan's family is going to come over, and, and that which was once empty is going to be bustling, so much so that Matthew said, I ain't coming. <clears throat> We're at a really different time. Our, our three sons are living their own lives and the paths that God has opened to them, and they do quite well. Nathan is a, a lobbyist. I'm very proud of Nathan in the work that he does and the success that he has in it. He's the lobbyist for uh, the largest hospital in the state of Florida and the third largest public hospital in the nation, Jackson Health Systems out of Miami. I'm very proud of him. Matthew, my son Matthew's in, in law enforcement. And Kay, he's doing great in law enforcement. He's now a, an FTO. Uh, Matthew's been through several schools where he's qualified. He's qualified as a He's, Matthew's qualified as a driving instructor, as a hostage negotiator. He's qualified as a firearms instructor. Matthew is on, on the SWAT team. In addition to being a, a field training officer, he's on the SWAT team uh, in his uh, department. He's a sniper. He's, he is a phenomenal shot. When he went to firearm uh, school, he was the top shot of all the firearms people. I'm real proud of Matthew. Then I've got Paul. Paul is in banking, actually with a credit union, uh, 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 Community First, I almost forgot it, Community First Credit Union over in Jacksonville, and he is the manager of the, the um, 
the St. Augustine branch, a, a very large branch. In fact, he told me the other day, he said, Dad, my branch right now is number one in performance in about uh, three of five measuring areas. And, uh, he's, and that's out of 18 branches. I'm, I'm real proud of him. Our, our boys have, have done well. I want them to be more successful than their mom and me. I want them to be more successful than we ever thought about being. That's what I want as a father, and I'm sure that's what Jan wants for them. She wants them to be more successful than us. Now, to that end, my Jabez prayer would be make my sons better fathers, better citizens, better Christians than me, better in a lot of areas. And and I don't know if they expect to be more than me or their mom, but I hope that they do. I hope that they want to be more than us. You may recall this prayer from Elijah in a time when he was reflecting on his life in 1 Kings 19.4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. If it is God who opens the doors, then he will open more doors for us. Doors of land, doors of of money, doors of family, doors of ministry. I don't know of a congregation or a preacher anywhere, a pastor, who wouldn't like to enlarge his border. If preaching to 10 is good, why wouldn't preaching to 100 be better? If preaching to 100 is good, why wouldn't preaching to 1,000 be better? And if preaching to 1,000 is good, why wouldn't preaching to thousands be better? We should ask God and want God to enlarge our territory, to enlarge our, our borders in ministry. Could I tell you about this? We have some, some guests who are here today, and, and just so you'll know, uh, <clears throat> several months ago, um, I announced that at the end of May of 2017, that I would be retiring as an active pastor. I'm not leaving the ministry. I'm retiring as an active pastor. And I will no longer be the pastor of this church as of near the end of May. I think May the 21st, 2017 uh, at, at 11.15 is when I'm actually finished. Uh, I'm just kidding about the exact time. But I, I, it is May the 21st. <clears throat> and then I'll finish the week that week. Here's, here's what my prayer is. And I'm, I'm as sincere about this as I know how to be. I cannot... sometimes I think you hear me and don't hear me. Sometimes I think you hear me and say, yeah, yeah. No, no. This, I'm as sincere as I know how to be about this. My prayer is that the greatest days of ministry are ahead for this church. Not behind, but ahead. The greatest days. Here's what's going to happen. And you should know this, and you should expect this, and you should embrace it. When you get a new pastor, he will have fresh ideas, and he will be the talk of the town. Everybody will be talking about it. Everybody will. And and quite honestly, I'm doing everything that I know how to do to prepare the way for the next pastor to be the talk of the town. To be the, the, uh, to to ride a wave and, and to have great things happen. Uh, in and through his ministry here. I I mean, this is why we put together a school board. Um, 
quite honestly, we've, we've talked to the deacons about this, and we'll be presenting it to you. And, and for several years now, we've, we've held over a million dollars that uh, we raised to build a building. Now, if you remember correctly, we raised that money to build that building beginning in 2007. Anybody guess what happened after that? Everything, everything just collapsed and crunched. I don't want the pastor, the new pastor, to have a, a designated account of that much money if, if it's needed for the ministry. So we've talked to some of the, the folks, and we've talked to the deacons, and we'll be presenting that. And all of that is, is trying to prepare the new pastor to have complete freedom to lead this ministry, to lead this church. And, and we want that for the new pastor. And that's what's going to happen. Many people will come to this church when there's, that are not going to come now. Pastor Ray's been here 24 years. In, in, in February, it'll be, in, it'll be 25 years. And, and, and I will have been here, your pastor, 25 years. I am thinking, however, about one of my friends who asked me, and he's a pastor in Alaska, and he asked me, he said, why did you tell them a year in advance? He said, I've always said to myself that if I told my wife that in a year I'm going to leave you, she'd say, why don't you go now? So I'm, I'm hoping that you're not going to respond like his wife might respond. But I want you to know that as we are preparing things for the new pastor, it's so that he can come in on a wave. I'm excited for this church. I'm excited for you. And I want you to find and do God's will for this church. And, and here's what you should know. People are going to come to this church because there's a new pastor. And there will be some people who have fallen away who will get started again. They will see a new pastor. as They, they, they still love their church. They're still a part of this church family. But they really have kind of lost their connection to the church. They will reconnect when a new pastor comes. They will. I know that they will. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to be happy about that. I want you to pray for that. I want you to work toward that. I want you to know that that is a, <clears throat> that is a good thing. And, and pray that the ministry of this church will continue and never end and that God continues to open door after door, expanding the borders of this church here at 3000 North Meridian Road. It is crucial it is so important. Pastor Ray, preacher, Brother Randy, Randy, whatever it is that you call me, I am not crucial. God is. And his continued hand of blessing is crucial here. And it's crucial that, that we are asking God, expand our ministry. Pray with a sense of victory. God, you're doing great things. With every obstacle comes an opportunity. And ask God to open the door that you would walk through it. Like Joshua, pray that God will give you that mountain, the mountain of growth and the mountain of winning souls and the mountain of prosperity and the, the mountain of a, a vibrant local church. When we take on the mind of, and the heart of Jabez, we ask for more blessings from God. And we can do so without apology when our heart is right and our lives are honorable. We're saying, Lord, I know my territory, and please open doors and move boundaries. There's a certain dissatisfied satisfaction the child of God and the work of God should have. 
we are taught to be content with what God has given to us. But with that contentment, we can and we should maintain a desire for more. Why should we want more? Well, we should want more if what we have is being used for the kingdom of God. Then we should want more. If what you have and who you are and what you're doing is not for the kingdom, then I don't think you should ask for more. Just go with what you got. But if we're wanting more for the kingdom of God, then, then we ask for more. If you genuinely desire to be faithful to God's work with, a, <clears throat> with increased boundaries on your life and on your church, keep on praying for those boundaries to increase and more and more and more and more because of what it means. When we ask God to open more doors, establish that we know our territory and move those boundaries in our minds, and then we start to look for more doors. What does it mean to have more doors open to us within our territory? What does that mean? What does it mean to ask God to enlarge our borders? This is where Jan and I find ourselves. In 10 months, life's going to really change for us. It really is. It's going to change a lot for us. And we look forward to some of the things that you think that we're looking forward to. But let me just tell you this. All of life is not visiting the grandchildren, playing golf, or traveling. That's not all of life and certainly not all of ministry. We're looking for more doors to open up. For more doors to open. And that is up to God. Jan is so gifted in so, in so many areas. I, if, I'm going to say that less than 10% of this church know how crucial Jan's work is to this ministry. Less than 10% of this church know. Some of you know. But her work is crucial to this ministry. She's very gifted. She has abilities that she doesn't know that she has. There are times when she has, there's something in front of her and she says, oh, I'm not sure what, what I, and I said, well, Jen, you're going to do it. You're going to do it and you're going to figure it out because you always do it and you always figure it out. You're going you're gonna to do it. Well, I believe doors are going to open for her and open to her. I believe God that will take us uh, on more mission to more mission fields, maybe with some of you. I, I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to preach for other churches and conferences, and, and we're just looking for more doors to open. That's what we're looking for. This is what you should be looking forward to, more doors to open for your life individually and for your church collectively. You should look for them in your personal walk with Christ. You should look for them in what lies ahead here. Haven't you been praying to that end? God opened doors for us, more doors for us. What doors are you looking to open? Let me give you a little uh, idea. First of all, you should ask God to open more doors of influence. Someone said, if your absence won't make any difference, your presence won't either. You ought to write that down. If your absence won't make any difference, your presence won't either. Everyone is an influence, some for good, some otherwise, but everyone's an influence. What are you doing with your scope of influence? How are you using your influence? 
Are you serving God with your influence? There's nothing wrong with a a person who uses his influence or her influence well to ask God for more. Recently, Jan and I were at dinner at um, that that restaurant out at I-27 that near the uh, interstate, and not I-27, uh, Highway 27. Is that right? 90, Highway 90. Where is it, Jan? What's the name of it? Something Crossroads. Okay, Backwood Crossroads. And uh, so we were there at dinner, really a good place. And, uh, and in walked <clears throat> Mike and Kay Stevenson. They're here today. And they came to the restaurant with the former uh, Lieutenant Governor Bobby Brantley. Um, and, you know, they, they kind of they have a different set of hangout friends than we do. But uh, they came in with the, <clears throat> the Lieutenant Governor uh, Bobby Brantley, and they stopped at our table. And Governor Brantley looked at me and he said, what's this I hear about you retiring? And uh, then he went on to say this. He said, you should run for office. And then he added this caveat. He said, running for office is the fun part. Then you have to govern. Well, truer words were never spoken. You you know, these these presidential candidates, (laughs) they're going to have to govern. Barack Obama was real excited to become president. How excited does he look now? No, then you have to govern. Then you have to, to deal with the stuff. Once we're given influence, we, we must use it wisely. This church has always had the privilege of influence in this community, and we, we do. We have an, it, it's, it's an uncanny influence in this community. I remember when I first came here receiving a call from Sheriff Boone about an issue that had come up in the community, and he felt like that our church was the perfect uh, church or the perfect uh, body to address this concern. And over the years, we have continued to have influence, and more and more. And, and we should pray that that continues. We should pray that the influence of this church continues in North Florida. With more influence comes more responsibility. A few weeks ago, Jan and I were going to Bainbridge, Georgia, to uh, Dr. Maxwell's office. Doc, Dr. Jimmy Maxwell is a member of our church, and, and he's our dentist, and, uh, and he's outstanding. He's an excellent dentist, and, and um, here's, here's the way I came on making him my dentist. He drives from Bainbridge every Sunday to come to church. He's not here today, actually. And he's one of those guys, he'll text me and let me know that he's not going to be here. Uh, and he, he drives here every Sunday. And, and I told Jan, I said, we could probably drive up there once every six months or so to get our teeth checked. And, and so anyway, we, that's what we did. We were going our, up there the other day and we passed that, you know, that, uh, that plywood manufacturing place just north of uh, Havana, uh, on the left-hand side as you're going up toward Bainbridge. We, we passed that, that, and there were probably 100 cars or so uh, in the parking lot. And I, I looked at those cars, and I told Jan, I said, you know, sometimes I envy those who go to work, do their job, come home, and forget it until the next day. I, I sometimes envy those folks. Now, there's nothing wrong with an honest day's work, and I am not in any way suggesting that's not the right thing. We need more of that in our country. But if you're going to ask God to increase your territory, you're going to discover that with more influence comes more responsibility. There's there's more to do. Regardless of what any of us does for a profession, 
we, when we ask God to increase our territory, then we should ask God to increase our Christian influence. And with that influence comes more responsibility. Ask for more doors, more opportunities to come your way. And when that happens, get this, choose the right door. Choose the correct door. Many of you remember David Parrish. David is our former minister of, of music. And uh, David is actually from Oklahoma. We were talking about Oklahoma earlier. And David, <clears throat> when we were, would be in a conversation uh, about uh, something that we ought to do or something that somebody thinks they want to do and, and this, that, and the other, he would, David would sing a little song. And, and here's, here's the way that he would sing. It was a great little song. I've, I've never forgotten it. He would say, it must be the will of the Lord because it seems all right to me. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> that, was kind of, that was kind of the way that he, you know, his way of making fun of, of how people talk about the will of God. Now, we're going to talk about the will of God in just a minute. But, but I want to tell you something. People oftentimes use the will of God as, I, I, I put it this way, the, the will of God covers a multitude of sins and mountains of pride. A lot of times we just use that, but it is real. We should be cautious in asking God to enlarge our coast. Just because there's a possibility of something doesn't mean that it's the door that God is opening. I'll tell you something real quick. About three years ago, and I won't tell you any more details, and if you ask me, I won't tell you more details, no matter who you are. So, Jan, don't ask. Uh, About three years ago, somebody made me an, an offer to do something other than ministry. They, they just flat out made me an offer. And it, and it was very lucrative what they were offering me. It was, it was, and it was something that I could do. And, and they said, look, uh, we want, uh, I want you to do this. Why don't you do, aren't you going to retire in the future? Yeah, I said, I, in, in a few years I'm, I'm going to retire. Well, why don't you just go ahead and retire now? And, and let me pay you this, and you do this. And, and I said, because I'm not finished with what God has for me to do at North Florida. This is not what God is, is wants for my life. So I'm not going to go through this door. Now, the door had dollar signs all over it, but it wasn't the door for me to go through. It wasn't the door for me to walk through. How do we know when we're choosing the right door? Just like on Let's Make a Deal, you can choose a door and get zonked. How do you remember, all of us remember a guy named Esau who sold his, his birthright for a pot of beans. You know what he did? He chose the wrong door. Very quickly, let me go back to God's will. You have to choose the door that is God's will. In his epistle to the churches, the apostle Paul referred to himself as an apostle called by the will of God in Christ Jesus. This is where we want to be. We want to be in the will of God. And I will tell you, it's not all that hard to know the will of God. If you walk close to the Lord, you'll know the will of God. Psalm 40 verse 8, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Psalm 143 10, teach me to do your will for you are my God. Let your Spirit, lead me on level ground. James 4.15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. When choosing the doors set before us, 
We must choose within the will of God. Choosing within the will of God not only means that we look for God's will, we look for God's appointments. Here's what we call them in life. We call them golden opportunities. In the will of God, you call them divine appointments in the work of God, in the kingdom of God. Golden opportunities or divine appointments. Choosing the correct door is like looking for golden opportunities or at least recognizing them when they come. There are few things more gratifying in a Christian's life than to know that they have answered a divine appointment, that they have had a divine appointment, to walk away and say, that was a divine appointment. Asking God to enlarge our borders is to have more opportunity for his appointments in our lives. Sometimes those appointments lead us to God's connections. If God's appointments are golden, then God's connections are golden connections. Never overlook the value of the connections the Lord has given you. It might be your answer to the prayer of Jabez. There's really no telling how far the Lord will allow you to go if you choose the correct door. Proverbs 18, 16 says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. This means that when we continue to do all that God has given us to do, we come to places of blessing that are unique and unexpected. Finding and doing the will of God in your life will give you opportunities to meet and know people you would have never uh, met and in many cases never dreamed of meeting. Ordinary us before great people. Think about it. How does that happen? God does that. Jabez asked God to enlarge his border and open more doors. And when those doors were open, he had to choose the correct door. And once he established this kind of life, then here's what happened. We find ourselves walking through so many doors. Unless your life is over, you still have doors in front of you. Now, if any of you come to the end of your life and this is your last day, you have no doors. But if you are still living, you have doors in front of you. Don't spend your time turning around looking back at the doors that used to be open or were once opened, look ahead of you. There's doors ahead of you. So many doors. Theodore Seuss Geisel was born in 1904. He died in 1991. He was the one and only Dr. Seuss. The last book that he ever published was, Oh, the Places You'll Go. The story begins with the narrator relating the decision of the unnamed character who's represented by the reader to leave town. And the reader travels through several landscapes and places, eventually encountering a place simply called the waiting place, which is ominously addressed as being the place where everyone is always waiting for something to happen. As the traveler continues to explore, spurred on by the thoughts of places he will visit and the things he will discover, the book cheerfully concludes with an open end. The last line of the book says, Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. That's not much different than what God would say or what Jabez would say. Where is your mountain? 
What is waiting for you? How large do you want God to, to increase or enlarge your borders? How would you decide on the extent of your territory? How would you know just how much and how far God wants to bless your life? Think about it. Think about the way that you think <clears throat> and the way that God thinks. If somehow or another we could transfer our mind process to at least accept the way that God thinks, our borders would increase. Here's the way we think, your thoughts. Here's the way the process works. My abilities plus experience plus training plus personality plus experience and expectations of others, <clears throat> well, that equals my territory. Abilities, experience, training, personality, appearance, and ex expectations of others. That's my territory. And that's, that's the way most people think. Jabez got sight of his thought process and he went to God's thought process. How might God think? Your willingness and your weakness plus my will and my power equals your expanded territory. The way we enlarge our border is the way we seek the blessings of God. We open our life and we open this church to the territory that God has in mind. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. You know what? God granted what he asked. God loved Jabez a lot more than he loves you. Right? God thought Jabez was more valuable than you. Right? Yeah. The God of Jabez is your God. And the God who asked Jab the God that was asked by Jabez to bless him and to enlarge his borders and to keep him from harm, that God who did what he asked can do it for you. He can do it for this church. And he will.